Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community. So I'm traveling back right now from Toronto back to Sudbury. I figure it's a good uh, time to discuss uh, something that's going to probably take a little bit longer than my normal commute to work. So sit back and enjoy. The thing I want to talk about today is tournaments. Um, Sudbury has had a lot of actually really great quality tournaments and if you haven't had a chance to play in any of them because you're worried about how competitive they are I would strongly encourage you to attend the beer room pretzels uh, every November where which is a much more low-key event or go to one of the small tournaments that's hosted by the uh, computer nook because they do one usually every Every couple months, every few months, they'll do one in-house, and it'll be a, you know, it'll be actually a, a solid 14, 16 players, and it's uh, it's a whole lot of fun to get involved in the competitive side of the game. One of the ones I want to chat, I want to chat with you. I'll, you know what? I'll go over a few of them. I got the time. So, one is a very common one in North America, is called ITC, uh, which is the uh, I'm not too sure if it stands for Independent Tournament Circuit or International Tournament Circuit, something like that. I think it's Independent Tournament Circuit. It's a way of playing 40k that is very much about um, how your army compares, how you as a player and your skill compares to the quality of your opponents and trying to be the top of, uh, really the top, the top of the world is the end goal for people that are really deep into playing ITC. And they do this by having a very, very, uh, not regimented, but rather a very consistent game experience. And by that I mean, in a normal game of 40k, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that can change from game to game. And that's not even just you know, not just your par- your army, your opponent's army. Rather, that's all right. Uh, and that's part of it. You know, what is important for me to kill? Uh, where are the objectives placed? What is the game even going to be about? Is it going to be about holding objectives turn after turn? Is it going to be about holding specific objectives on specific turns? Turns? Is it going to be about uh, having something at the end of the game? Is it going to be something where the point scoring is going to be progressive. Like, there are a lot of different things that an average game of 40k could be. And this really tightens that down. Some people say there's only one mission in ITC, and they're not far off the mark. And that's because the most important part of ITC are your primaries and your secondary objectives. And the way you score those are the same each and every game. The primary ones are hold more objectives at the end of the battle. First of all, hold one, at least during your turn, and then hold more objectives than your opponent at the end of the battle round. And then same thing for killing something. Kill at least one thing during your turn, and then kill more things than your opponent during the battle round. And those are, are the, the those, those primaries will win you the game. If you can consistently score hold more and kill more in ITC you are going to win ITC games you could win you could be winning ITC tournaments uh, then your secondaries are very much where you're going to be comparing how your army is going to do against your opponent and that that's where so if that first part of it is really about okay how good it does my army stack up how good is my list creation skills because if you got a really strong list and there's a chance to do the hold more and kill more every every game. Uh, where things get a little different is in the secondaries, where now it's about you as a, really as a player trying to figure out how the game is going to flow. You know, are am I going to be able during the whole game? Am I going to be able to kill all of this one type of unit of my opponent? Am I going to be, at the end of the game, able to be um, on every objective on the board? Uh, things of that nature. And in those secondaries, there's a whole huge list of possible secondaries 
that you can score up to four points for, and most of them you can't double up on. So if you have something that's like, okay, you got to kill vehicles, you know, you can take that one. And then there's another one that says, okay, you got to kill things that have power level seven or greater, uh, which can often be those same vehicles, but you can't score a point for both of those secondaries off the same killing one thing. So that's really like, okay, I'm trying to think during this game, am I going to be able to kill these four guy, four units that are worth seven or more points and kill these four vehicles and kill uh, these four characters? You know, that's 12 units you got to kill over the course of the game, which in some situations is not what is what's going to happen. In fact, there are many opponents that, hey, they don't have four units that are over power level seven. Hey, they don't have four vehicles. Hey, they don't they don't have four characters. Well now you gotta look at some of these other options that are out there. Ending the game on objectives. Ending the game with uh, getting units into your opponent's deployment zone and having them start your turn there, which can be really hard when your opponent knows that all they need to do to stop you from scoring points is kill things that get into their deployment zone. Uh, that's you know, you're trying to plan, all right, what am I going to be capable of achieving this specific game rather than uh, in games as a whole? And then finally, there's tertiaries. And this is where you could say uh, between the tertiaries and uh, the de and where objectives are located, how many objectives there are and where they're located, that's really where you get your change from mission to mission in ITC. Uh, there are still six different missions, and in those ones, it's just really about where the objectives are on the field, and what your bonus, your tertiary objective is, which might be something like have a character on four of the objectives during the during the game, uh, during your battle round. And, you know, really good players are going to score those bonus ones. Um, I wouldn't, but they really are bonus. If, if you can score the primary time in, time out, you got a great chance at, at winning games, if not the tournament. If you're really good at achieving secondaries well that can help but don't don't bank on it uh, because if your opponent's the one scoring more killing uh, scoring more and killing more they're gonna win that's really where okay we both have armies that are both capable of scoring more and killing more okay well now we're both scoring about equal as we go through this now it's coming down to the secondaries and then if really if your skill level is such that you're both being able to take care of both of those that's often where the tertiaries come involved and that's really just going to be for the top tier players out there so having uh the itc based off of that you get these games that are remarkably consistent indicators of not your luck but rather your skill if you are time in time out um scoring killing more and holding more and if you're time in time out maximizing your secondaries, which means you are really, really good at seeing in your mind how a game is going to be played before you even go into the game. And then obviously working in such a way as to make that so, that's a great indicator of player skill. And it's one of the reasons that ITC is so much fun, is that you have these missions that are always, always, always going to be similar. So you can uh, really kind of plan that out. Now, there are some things where ITC is going to kind of push your list design in a different direction than maybe in a normal game. And that's because it is possible through analyzing those secondary objectives to design your list in a way that it gives up very few secondaries. And that way, if your opponent can't really score as many points, you got a better chance at winning. So, like I said, you know, maybe you don't have four vehicles in your list or monsters or a mix of the two. Maybe you don't have a super heavy. Maybe you don't have a whole lot of characters. Maybe you don't have a hundred models in your list. That's one of the ones, by the way, is the Reaper. You kill lots of your opponent's models. And so you can kind of plan that out and say, okay, well, I'm not going to take squads of this size. I'm not going to take units of this level of power. If once I have three of these uh, units with this level of power or more, uh, I'm going to try to cut it out there. And so that's one of the ways that you can kind of deny your opponent's points. Uh, the only other thing for ITC is something that is a bit of a... It, it's really weird to me. I'm not. It's not just a little bit weird. It's really weird to me. There are a lot of people, both online 
and in the cyber community that have this idea that ITC changes the rules of the game on people. Um, that may have been true in 7th, and it was true in 7th, but in 7th edition, Games Workshop was not the company they are now. They were, they had a broken game. And by that I mean, like, literally, there were things in the game that could not be resolved with the information given. Uh, I, and there were other things in the game where you would think it would work a certain way that apparently it worked a different way. I think a great example of that was Grenades at the time. Um, I don't know a single person that played Grenades the way that Games Workshop said to play Grenades once the actual rules, once they finally FAQ'd it, like, right at the ass end of 8th edition, uh, oh, sorry, of 7th edition, um, we always played that, hey, you know, uh, a model can, one, only one model can throw a grenade, which really only happened when you were close. But once you were in close combat, you weren't throwing them, you were attacking with them, and so it was a melee thing, so every model with a grenade could try to stick one on to a tank. And... Games Workshop in the FQ said, no, that's not it. It's really just one guy can fight with a grenade at a time, which was shocking. And so ITC had their own FAQs for things, uh, and all each time it was never something which this is what Games Workshop said and we're doing it differently. It was rather, Games Workshop has not told us what to do in this situation. Here's what we are doing. Um... The only thing that they do now in 8th edition is the ITC Ruins rule, where the first level of a ruin is totally line of sight blocking. There are no windows, uh, there are no doors, I mean there are, there are windows and doors on the models, but if they have them, you can't see through them, they, they are completely line of sight blocking, as if it was uh, an impenetrable, not impenetrable, but I mean it was... Uh, a wall that you could not see through. And that is something that some people have some issue with still. Uh, they think that it encourages uh, models without uh, that have weapons that don't need line of sight to really, really flourish. Personally, I haven't really seen that be the case. There were a couple of lists early, 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 early in the edition, in 8th uh, edition, that tried to abuse that. Uh, specifically, it was guard mortars, uh, but that was at the time that not everybody had their codex, and the guard codex was kind of the first one out that was really kind of pushed the envelope on, on, on power levels of the game, where they had just so many amazing abilities. And now, that's not really the case any longer. Um, I have not even heard of a guard list that honestly spams mortars, because they're just not that effective. I have not heard of a list that, again, spams basilisks, or hive guard, or uh, dark reapers were a thing for a while. They absolutely were. There were some lists, but the whole thing that made them ridiculously bonkers broken, which was Yanari, that's gone. Um, so, non... I mean, having... Uh, not being able to see through the first floor ruins does certainly help some units, but it's not really changing the games, I, I think, that much. Not being able to see through line, the, not being able to draw a line of sight through the first floor of ruins rather seems to just encourage uh, movement and dynamic play that in the ITC format would likely be lacking. Because if you don't have to move anywhere in order to kill things, then you can just shoot things off of objectives so that your two units that are on objectives are the only units that are on objectives. Um, would lead to some rather non-interactive gameplay. And I think they recognize that uh, as a possible shortcoming of their own system. And so that's one of the reasons they do this. That way, hey, an objective here is behind a wall, well, you're going to have to move around in order to get to it. This does lead to a certain type of uh, ruin called a magic box. And some people really hate magic boxes. I personally think they are really awesome because they allow assault units to really exist in the game. 
in uh, an edition which is just so shooting heavy um, that it, it is it is absolutely lethal for close combat units. The only way that a close combat unit can really survive in the game right now is if they can charge out a deep strike in a way that is um, successful more times than it's unsuccessful. Um, or they have some special way of preventing your opponent from falling back. Uh, and even then, it's got to be... Uh, it, that has to be something that works more times than not. Uh, witches don't really have a delivery mechanism, so they don't tend to do that. Um, you know, even White Scars, we haven't really seen them super take advantage of that, even though it's something they have. The new Nid Codex, uh, not Codex, the new, the new Blood of Ball has something like that for Nids. I don't think we're going to see that, even though it functions, I think, on a 3-up, which is now it's working more times than it doesn't. Um, and other units that are like, okay, well, we can, we can, you know, try point somebody. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very good units in the game right now that fly, which are able to just get away from that. So, um, close combat is really hard to make work in, in tournament level lists. And Magic Box has kind of helped this because now that close combat unit can get closer to your opponent or can sit, in, or can sit on an important objective and be completely immune to shooting unless it's from something that doesn't need line of sight. The, uh, one of the other types of tournaments that are out there... So by the way, uh, just kind of going back from one on ITC, if you get a shot to play an ITC game, uh, give it a shot. Even just 1v1, you'll find that the dynamic of the game, the way that scoring happens in the game, is a lot of fun. Because you can really see your your plays, and you can see your missteps. You can see, alright, this is where I started falling behind. This is where things kind of went to hell. Not just because I was no longer able to kill him, but this is where I stopped being able to score points. It's possible to score all your secondaries right on turn one. Pretty unlikely, but it's possible. And then uh, you can still lose simply because you can't hold more, kill more, because your your army ran out of steam turn two. So I think it allows for a lot of very interesting play. Uh, one other type of tournament system that's out there is the team tournament format. And this is something that uh, my team and I is going to be going to in February, the Can Hammer Tournament in Ottawa. And in this system, uh, they work with something very, very much more like what you kind of have in the book. Except for this, they take, uh, in the ETC format, as opposed to ITC, in ETC, they take um, both the Eternal War missions and the Maelstrom missions, and they kind of smash them into each other. So that way it's like you're kind of playing both at the same time. And again, that allows for different styles of making your army. And allows for different ways of doing things. And frankly, I'm not really 100% sure how what the strong thing right now to do is. Because we're, we're just starting to get into this ETC format idea. This is kind of now the question of, okay, well, I don't have to worry about the Reaper, so if I have a, a Horde army, it's going to work differently than an ITC, where maybe I would be giving up too many points or something. Same thing for certain units that are really, really tough and have a whole lot of wounds in ETC. Sorry, in ITC, you would kind of be penalized for that because there's Gangbusters, which is based on killing units with multiple models. Oh, uh, sorry units with models of multiple wounds. That doesn't exist in ETC, so you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, the other really cool thing about doing the ETC format for team tournaments is that in the team structure, you're not just trying to win or lose, rather you're trying to score point differentials on your opponent. And if you get a very high point differential, you end up scoring 
um, lots of points. <laughs> uh, you end up scoring um, points for your team. So if there's like a difference where you beat your opponent's army and the victory point difference is like 20 or more, well then your team scores 20 victory points, their team doesn't score any. But if it's a really, really close match, well now you score 11 points, your opponent's team still scores 9 points. And so, if at the end of all of your games, um, even if you win on your table, the rest of, if, if it wasn't big enough wins by your team, you could actually still lose or even tie. Because now, you know, maybe your opponent, they score really big on two of their tables. Your team wins three matches, but they only win them by a small little amount. Well, now your opponent's team, which had fewer wins, actually wins the match of your between all of your games. All your 1v1 games, your teammates have to kind of contribute into that. The other really fun thing about the, tur the team tournament format is you have this whole pairing mechanic where you're trying to have, um, trying to see, okay, whose army is going to be good against whose other arm? Because there's you, there's, uh, none of you guys can, uh, overlap each other for faction, um, for faction keywords. So if there's one space marine player on your team, uh, no one else on your team can be space marines. They can still be blood angels and space wolves and stuff like that, but like codex space marine, that's it. You are you're locking that out if you're taking that. Same thing kind of goes for Chaos, which is another major soup uh, faction. You know, if you go, well, if I have, I have Chaos on my list, and I also have Death Guard, and I also have Thousand Suns. Well, okay, if there's another person on your team that wants to play Chaos, they're only going, they're going to be now totally restricted just to playing Demons and Chaos Knights. Um, and so once you ha all have your armies, now you go up against your opponent, your opponents, and you try to say, okay, these are this, these are who we think our armies are going to be good against. So it's like, all right, we've got Imperial Knights, and I really think that my Imperial Knights are going to be really, really strong um, against this Dark Eldar opponent. They have, they're like all poison weapons. Because they really want to kill hordes. They really want to kill tough hordes or something like that. And so now, that's going to be really, really easy for you to win. It's going to be really, really hard for your opponent to win. And so you should be able to score a whole lot more points on your than your opponent does. Conversely, it could be the opposite. You could be that, that Dark Eldar player in that situation, and now you have to go up against Knights because the pairings ended up in such a way that uh, you're, you now have to face that. Okay, well, like I said, it's not necessarily just about winning or losing. It's about by how much. If you can still make it a really tight game, or you can even do an upset and win it, that can have a major impact on how your team does. Now, I've, the horror stories I've tended to hear out of this, because uh, I have heard a few, is that it's possible to be the player that chews on glass all weekend. That every single time you go up against your opponents, you're going up against a list that is pretty much impossible for you to win against. Uh, I've kind of been in that position. I wouldn't say it's because my team put me up against them. I think it was more my fault for not having a good enough army list. For it, I think I kind of I ended up bringing it on myself, and I really hope to do better this time for my team. Uh, but that's something that can end up happening, and that can be really a discouraging thing. But when you're losing and you hear, "Hey, Davis, we're doing good as a team. We're winning. You're doing, yeah, your your battle's going horrible, but don't worry about it. Our team's won this round. Wow." Does that ever feel good? You know, that lets you relax and, and sit back. And conversely, if you kind of end up in a situation where, you know, you are in a tough game and it's already tight and you hear from maybe a coach that you have on your team 
that says, hey, your game's tight. Um, so is another game. But this this one of our players, he's losing. Bad. So if we don't want to lose this round, you got to really just kick it up a notch. And let me tell you, you, you dip into that tank and you start pulling out plays that you didn't think you were capable of. Because you got this whole other reason now, rather than just... Rather than just yourself, you, you've got these other people that you want to do good for. You want to see them win. Uh, you start hearing these broken combos in the game, and suddenly if it's a broken combo that's on one of your teams. That's one of your teammates. That can actually feel now, oh, oh wow, this is great. We're going to be able to do this against our opponent. Whereas there's lots of times where you hear that kind of stuff and you can kind of get you down, like I kind of said in my last episode. In the team structure, it's not so bad. So uh, those are two really unique ways of uh, of doing tournaments that we don't really see a whole lot of in Sudbury because a lot of people are a little scared of the tournament format. They're kind of scared to go up against things that are really strong and to be totally honest when you if you are going to uh, a tournament that is billing itself as a two-day itc tournament or a multi any kind of multi-day tournament i would say those are the ones where you're going to see the absolute most vicious list because those are the ones that are worth the most in the greater scheme of winning tournaments because the, the size of the tournament is the big decider over how many that how many points that's worth for the overall win across the year and because the two-day tournaments allow for more games it means that you can have more players and that's how it's worth more so when you see something that's built as a two-day tournament i'd say that okay that's what's telling you this is going to be the cutthroat stuff if you see somebody building a one-day tournament in Sudbury, don't worry about it Go to it. Enjoy it. See what's out there. See what's different. Cross-pollinate with the other people and said, we are, we're a smaller community, so we got to do these things to keep together to see what else is out there. And plus, there's a lot of really fun, really fantastic people in Sudbury that you really, that just won't see otherwise. One person on our team, uh, he is, you guys probably would know him as Iron Warriors Brandon. He lives really on, on the opposite side of the city from the rest of, of us on the team. And he was able to come to bat for us to take part in this Hand Hammer team tournament. And we're getting to know him. We're, we're saying, hey, look, you're this cool guy and we want to have you on our team. And let's chat. Let's find out who you are. It turns out he's a great, great guy. I mean, we already kind of knew that. That's why we cast him to the team. But uh, we wouldn't have as many interactions with him if we hadn't done that. Even for some people on our own team, you know, for Kenny. Kenny's gone back into the game in a big way this past year. And a large part of that was joining our team for the Twins ITC uh, team tournament uh, back in the summer. Which kind of, which gave him the impetus to say, all right, I'm, I'm really going to go at this. I really want to do well, not just for myself, but for you guys as a team. It's a fantastic experience. And I strongly recommend that someone in Sudbury, whether it's myself or whether it's uh, Doug at the store or it's the twins again, if they're able to. I, I think they have some stuff going on right now, which is why they haven't been able to. But if, if somebody can organize a small team tournament in Sudbury, even if it's a team uh, of three players and we do you know, just a, a tiny little six-team tournament at the Nook, would be an absolutely stellar thing to really give people a chance a low a low stakes one day tournament get people get their feet wet again on this stuff get them seeing that hey look the tournament scene is something fun it's not something to be avoided because you're scared and you know about feeling bad at the same time if you are that kind of tournament player that wants to go and wants to totally crush people we got to build each other up which is one of the things I think I said in the previous episode. We gotta say, hey, look, we're really excited for this. And oh, wow, you brought this. That's really cool. Um, here, let since you're you're newer at the tournament stuff than I am, 
um, or since you know you're you're not an experienced player here let me show you some of these cool tricks these cool things that you can do with your list as it is right now that that's going to make it that you can do better um, you know really invite really present uh, an inviting scene you know and like I said if come November again come to the beer and pretzels open we're gonna we're, I know we're gonna do it again and we're going to have a blast and we always have a good time and it's very low stakes yeah there's some prizes yeah there's there's gonna be some folks that are are gonna go for those top prizes um, that's fine let them go for it come in though and, and have a good time with people that maybe you wouldn't otherwise see so thank you very much to listening for listening to this special special episode of Sudbury Scrub it's been Davis, and have yourself a wonderful, wonderful night. Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community. So, recently our team for Ottawa has been going through a bit of a uh, crisis of faith. <laughs> Let's call it that. Um something that I'm sure a lot of people have experienced has been that moment where you feel, man, I want to do well, but my army, the faction that I play, just isn't able to keep up with the things I'm seeing around us. Uh, For our team, it was was our team captain who had this this real crisis of faith where he was looking at his collection and he was doing some trial games because he's trying to help get us get prepared for the tournament. And he was like, whoa, you know, you guys are beating me. But, you know, once, twice, three times, okay, that that's, that's bad luck. But then the number of times that we're beating him now is starting to be like, more and more frequent, or he's feeling that even the games that he's winning, man, they're hard for him to win. Uh, he like very difficult, and I would say Aaron is probably between us. He's likely the best player on our team. <clears throat> so if he's having a hard time, then that means that his faction or in the models he has access to in that faction, um, Dark Eldar, are not, they're just not pulling the weight that they need to be pulling, not just against us, but really even against the meta. And that was kind of where things kind of took a, a final, the final step there uh, was when he fought against the Tau list from the recent Atlanta Open, which I had proxied as a way of doing tournament practice. So we could see, all right, how well does this stack up? Because this looks like a really, really mean list. What happens if you fight it? And it was a a complete and total blowout. And so there's a real question in 40K of what do you do at that point? Now, for us, we're looking at this from a competitive mindset because we are specifically looking at trying to bring our absolute best game to the Canhammer team tournament. So for us, the answer is going to be different than what the answer might be for you. I know I've gone through this feeling before as well with my Tyranids, with my Gene Stealer Cult, with Chaos, with Orc. I've, I've, I've gone through this with every faction I've really ever owned. And I think that's because ultimately it's not just about the faction, but it's also about your play style. Fundamentally, it comes down to, hey, the way I like to play the game, I am now recognizing is not the optimal way when the goal is to win games. And I think that's an important distinction to make because we can all have a lot of fun with our factions when our focus is not on just winning the game. 
And that's where, you know, you find yourself falling more into, hey, I, I want to play some of these sillier matches. I want to play matches with, for me, for I like to play matches with my Black Legion and Chaos Space Marines, like basic Chaos Space Marines in Rhinos. <laughs> I love that. I find that is one of the most fun ways for me to play 40k. And yet it's horrible. It is not a good way to win games. The The army does not really function too well in that capacity unless you're playing against an opponent that's peeping, you know, that is really actively trying to make a bad army where there is no synergy between their stuff because a lot of the a lot of chaos rules in that context of an army um, uh, of Black Legion Chaos Space Marines, uh, there's not a lot of synergy in that army. You have Abaddon, who is good. That's it. Nothing else is actually synergizing very well together. <clears throat> so, but I like to play that way. And I think Aaron was seeing that the way he likes to play his Dark Eldar, which for all of 8th edition had been doing, has been doing well. Um, and obviously they had been doing better since their codex dropped. And that was part of the thing. When I, Really, that was it. When their codex dropped, the way Aaron likes to play 40k got really good. Um, his basic dudes were inexpensive and pretty potent. His raiders that he uses to ferry them around and ferry around his archon and his witches got good. His witches got good, and he, he, he likes his witches. And actually, his the witches didn't really get a whole lot better, uh, but the ways that they were able to move around the board got better. His flyers got better. Everything in his in the way that he plays the game got better. And even though he recognized that um, that's one of the main reasons he was winning a lot more, I think it's one of those natural human instincts where you feel like, okay, there are also these tricks. There are also these other parts of winning the game. And so as good as he was at those aspects, um, I, I think that he had a hard time. He, he really kind of settled into the way that he liked to play. And now, as time has gone on, and those same tools just aren't as effective, especially because... For this tournament, we're now all bringing uh, really, really mean stuff. And the Space Marine Codex has made, um, also by being so strong, it's made another one of our players on our team make the way that he plays his list, the way that he likes to play his list, innately so much stronger. And now he's kind of seeing that from the other side of the coin, and he's like, you know, this, he's frustrated. And not unjustly so. So for our team captain, he's thinking, okay, do I, do I switch factions? I, that's one of the main options that you have when you have this crisis of faith in your faction. Do, do you switch factions? Or do you say, okay, this is how this faction wins from what I see online. Do I change it to play like that? Now, you have to remember that from the way that you feel, because everyone has the type of game they like to play, both those, both that option and the option of changing factions are functionally identical. They're almost identical you feel defeated. And you feel defeated in a way that's more core 
than simply losing a game. Because you, you feel like the way I like to play is wrong. And, and that feels so bad. And if you're not playing competitively, then if you face a crisis, if you have that crisis of faith in your faction, that can be even worse. Um, and that's where I, you know, I kind of got that feeling before with my Black Legion. It's like, not only are my Black Legion the way I play Black Legion, when I, when I get to play the way I want to play, not only is that bad competitively, it is bad even casually. Um, and that can really, really hurt as well, because now you feel like you just can't even get a game. And at least for myself, I have, I have the army and the armies and the tools available to change that up. I have a lot of friends that play competitive, competitively, and I myself am okay with, all right, and playing competitively, that means if this isn't good, I just, you know, I just do something different. And, and I'm, I've suffered that enough times that it, that really doesn't phase me too much any longer. Um, the main trick for me is that I don't really have a whole lot of funds to work with, so when I have to change things up, I'm really trying to change them up within the faction itself, trying to pit, purchase as few new stuff, new items as I can, and make it work that way. Um, but for somebody that doesn't have other armies already built up from a, a lifetime of playing the game, I can only imagine just how daunting that can feel. And I think at that point, that's where you have to start asking your friends, like, hey, I want to play, and my guys are just so bad. Like, my army is bad. Can we do something different? Can we do campaigns? Can we do narrative events? Can we do narrative matches? Can we... Um, can we switch armies? Try this. So those are some of the things that I think you can do when you have this this crisis of faith. Uh, I nobody I've ever met has ever done an army swap with me on, on a on a battle except once actually. I think I think Aaron was the only person that ever said, "Yeah, we'll we'll change it up. We'll switch it up." I think he's the only one that did that. Uh, otherwise, none, no one else, no one else has ever uh, agreed to do that. And I think that's, you know, people get very, very, very personal with their armies. And so they're very protective over their idea. And they're worried for that same reason, that they're going to be playing an army with a playstyle that they don't want to play. And so that's entirely justified. Uh, so I don't know if that's really going to be the way to try to resolve that. And that's really what it comes down to, is ultimately you have to resolve that crisis. Um, some people are going to resolve that crisis by exiting the hobby, which I really never, never hope that that's the resolution that people take, because I love our community and that's one less person in it. Uh, instead, I think the main thing is to, you know, have a discussion with people. Um, venting can be part of that. Venting, though, can also be very opposite of what that name implies. Um, you don't tend to get rid of anything. You tend to actually just build up more negative emotions when you vent over your your, your faction, and you tend to get more frustrated. Uh, I think the main tip there is that you have to eventually learn to adapt. <clears throat> um, and if you can't afford how you're going to adapt, even if it's just like one or two new squads or units. Like Black Legion, for example. If I want to play a good Black Legion army with, let's say, not say the collection I have. Let's say I, I am more restricted in that I have really just the Chaos Space Marines, Rhinos. Let's say I my entire collection really is just what I brought to the garbage fight that I had with Aaron, which I thought was hilarious, and I can post that battle report up again on Sudbury. 40k. Let's say that's really all my collection entails. 
So I've got my Chaos Space Marines, my Rhinos, I got my Obliterators, I got Abaddon, Harkin World Claimer, and because I own Blackstone Fortress, I also have um, the other Chaos Lord that's actually worse than a basic like Chaos Lord. <laughs> so what do I do? Well, first off, that Chaos Lord that's worse than a basic Chaos Lord, I make him into a basic Chaos Lord because now... I can arm him the exact same way and have all these same rules, and he's less expensive points-wise. Um, Harkin World Claimer. Okay, that's an interest. He's got... He's a bad guy. He is not... He is not good at what he is supposed to do, which is kill characters. He is... He is really bad at that. Oh, man. Um, couldn't even kill a priest in close combat, so... What do you think your chances are against you know, a spaceman captain or something. Um, so th there's him, but he, he does have an interesting ability with minus one leadership aura going on. Uh, and then there's Abaddon. And Abaddon, again, is actually good. If there's one good side to playing Black Legion, it is Abaddon. He has got reroll bubble. He has got a fearless bubble. And in close combat, he is an absolute beast. So maybe there's something there. I have obliterators. Alright, well, obliterators were pretty good in that match. You know, they, they killed a Baneblade, and then they went on to kill a whole bunch of stuff. And, yeah, after they killed the Baneblade, they were kind of shot down to a single model. That single model still did some work, and if they didn't get shot down to a single model, well, that's going to be a big deal. So there we go. That's the, let's say that is my collection. Well, Abaddon can't really be run in a different detach. Like, you can you can put him in and use the Heretic Astartes keyword to have him be part of another, fa uh, another faction's attachment. Then you'll lose your detachment bonuses. So either want to keep Abaddon um, and keep... Black Legion, or I need to drop Abaddon and drop Black Legion to change over to somebody else. Uh, personally, I, I like the idea of Abaddon, so I'm going to I'm going to say that we're going to keep him in. So that means I got to reorganize things. Okay, well now I got a bunch of squads. Each of them had two special weapons, so that actually could allow me to create a Havoc squad and a squad of Chosen. And I can put them in the... I can put the Chosen in one of the Rhinos. That's pretty good. I got the Obliterators. So we already said that those are good. So I've, I've got... That's not a lot. Um, there is a lot of space left in this. Uh, we've got Harkin World. Okay, we want to use as much as we can. I think at this point then, what we need to say is, Okay, um, can I take... Can I, can I find... You know, if we're doing some minimal additions to the army. Can I find some Terminators for the cheap? Not a lot of people play Terminators. Probably pretty inexpensive online. So if I can pick up a number of Terminators, then I can uh, do the... I can make it a specialist detachment where my Terminators are Black Legion and they're supporting Abaddon, and when they deal wounds, they count as two. When they deal, um, sorry, when they cause uh, losses to my opponent, they count as two losses rather than one. And you can give them combi bolters and stuff like that. And I think I want to try to pick up a couple sorcerers. Um, heck, this could even be, be better because I can put the sorcerers in Harkin and yet another detachment, a Supreme Command detachment if I get two sorcerers. And I can still make them all Black Legion, and I can give the Sorcerers some spells that can make some of my guys better. I can give Prescience to Chosen or Havocs or to the, K or to the Terminators, or I can give, uh, make if the Terminators, I can give them... Uh, actually, here's a cool thing you can do with Black Legion. You can make your guys count as having all the marks until your next turn. So you can have your Sorcerers uh, give two different... Uh, god buffs to the Chaos Terminators. So you can make them like, okay, well, 
these Chaos Terminators are now first precienced. And then they're also going to have plus one to their invul save from Zinch. And then they're also going to have minus one to being hit from Nurgle. Uh, if you had a third sorcerer in there, now they're also, they also got a five up feel no pain. And that's on top of everything now. So like now these Terminators, which again, maybe the Terminators with the sorcerers and Abaddon are in a uh, Supreme Command detachment that you made into that Heralds of whatever for coming in. And you got Harkin World Claimer nearby. So they can come in. They're a really strong unit. They'll kill some stuff. They'll uh, kill some models. And those models will count double for morale penalties. And you got Harkin up the back who has that minus one leadership buff debuff at 18 inch range causing just panic and terror. And now you have some, now you got an, a real list starting up again. Uh, and you can try to, and if we're still not at 2000 points, I don't really know at what, you know, where that's going to be. You're going to obviously for that, for the one that that army I just described, you're going to have your basic, uh, battalion slots being filled up by basic chaos space Marines. Maybe there'll be full squads of 10. Maybe not, you know, depending on where we are here, but let's say, you know, you kind of fill those up and you fill them up with a solid number and you're still nowhere near 2000 points, which you probably would be at this point, but say you're not, and then maybe you, you ask me, like, look, I, I, I don't have a 2,000 point list. I have a 1,500 point list. If I play 2,000 points, it's really, really, really garbage. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't want to have that game. And then you have that discussion with people, and, and you build from there. You go to friends, and you can say, hey, you've got this unit for chaos. Can I borrow it? Because I want to try to, you know, I want to add some uh, war dogs my army and they'll likely lend you models they may not do an army swap but I find people are very quick to lend models so I think there are way these ways to face this crisis of, of faith of your faction and you can face it whether you're a tournament player by you know changing factions in this case it would be boring a whole friend's other army really or you can face it by changing up how your faction works and going in with things that maybe with a different battle plan that you're not used to and comfortable with. Or you can say, all right, look, I'm not going to be going for competitive games. I'm going to be going for other stuff and to get those games in the style that you want. And if the, even that isn't working out, then you try to find, how do I play the style I want in a different way. So that's been Sudbury Scrub. Thanks for joining me in the car. We'll ch chat with uh, we'll chat with you again. Take care.